We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Danny Murray here with Jack Ramsey's. Just want to give you all a quick heads up. We had a bit of a technical issue during the live show, so the show actually cut off and we lost a portion of it. We weren't able to recover it. We've since been able to fix it. We should be good going forward, but just wanted to give you guys a heads up when the show kind of abruptly ends. Uh, that's a feature, not a bug. So <laughs> without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome in to Jack Ramsey's Danny Murray, Brandon Sprague, NBA Finals night. It's gone back and forth. You like that? I just, I know we're, I know we're late because you had to do something <laughs> until about seven o'clock. But uh, oh, it's on me! It's yeah, on, me. It yeah. For those, uh, I am blaming Brandon, but I am blaming me for being uh, a few minutes late here because, as Brandon will tell you, I just got done sneezing about eighteen times in a row. My allergies are kicking my ass right now. Yeah, that's kind of what's funny is like literally before we went and you went live, um, I, 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 I haven't seen an allergy attack quite like that in oh. some time. It was just like, are you, 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 It's, uh, yeah, it's not fun, but I just mainlined uh, some Benadryl and some uh, antihistamine. Hopefully that's enough. I'm going to rub my nose raw. Hell, um, for anybody rocking with us this morning uh, on 1080, Brandon and I, uh, I sat in with Brandon uh, with Dirt Out, and we covered some of the stuff that we'll cover right now. There was a, a bit more news after the morning show. Um but first of all, thank you all for being here. We appreciate you. We obviously know the Warriors and Celtics are playing right now. Uh, that game is uh, that game sucks. It's been something. We'll, we'll we'll say that. Golden State's about to win their fourth ring in the Curry era. Man. <sighs> yeah, it's 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 something. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what the Celtics thought that was going to happen if you came out like that. But um, again, we appreciate you being here. Thank you. Like you. Like you. Thank you. We appreciate you. We like you. We love you. There you, you go. Know. Yeah. Um, like, rate, review, and subscribe. That's the way this goes. You'd think after a couple hundred of these, I'd have it down. And yet, here we are. Uh, help <laughs> us grow the show. Leave a review if you can. Uh, available on all major podcast platforms and then streaming live here at YouTube. All right. So, I've already seen it in the comments, Brandon. Uh-huh. Lou Dort. Lou Dort, yeah. Lou Dort. So Jake Fisher, who has been um, the, I don't want to call him the rumor monger, but, but he's been the guy that's just been the the news carrier. And there's been the, kind of this empty space underneath the Woj Shams break something 30 seconds before the rest of the world has it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, it's just kind of really strange when you think about it. That it's almost it's more important to be first somehow in this world, and the idea of like having that is more tangible than maybe understanding the transaction stuff that's happening beforehand. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one I need another like or which more that a part of that I, I really think I value more, but I know what I enjoy more, which is Jake's version. Hmm. Here's what's going on. Here's what I'm hearing. And I don't think he's saying that this is X is going to be Y. I think he's hearing this is what is being discussed. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he said that was be, that was, has been discussed is, and of course, I closed the wrong bleeping tab. It's <sighs> Well, let me. I just want to add real quickly to that. Um, I'm kind of with you. The, the first thing is like, yeah, it gets you the retweets. It gets you the Woj contract and making $6 million a year. Like, I, I get it. It's lucrative. But... The aspect that I like about Jake, and I think there's other writers in the NBA that have this, like Zach Lowe for me is is similar to this. It's 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 mm-hmm. when you get intel and you're willing to share, like, hey, this is kind of what people are talking about right now. This doesn't mean it's gonna happen. It's just mm-hmm. this is what conversations are floating around the league. Sometimes you get these way after the fact, like. Oh, and it was, you know, it was long known. Like, they'll drop it in a podcast sometimes. And they're like, it's long known Portland was this close to letting the nabbing so-and-so. And you go, I didn't, we didn't know that at all. Why didn't yeah. we know that information? So I at least like the fact that you have a writer or a couple writers that are willing to share, hey, it's kind of what the conversations seem to be right now around the league surrounding this team and that team. And, you know, thankfully for us, it's been Portland. It's been Portland a lot. And in, in this vein, it's it's so so very new to the Portland media, to the Portland well, Portland media, to the Portland market, to be tied up in this many rumors. And I think that's going to be kind of the story of this offseason is just how how much they're tied into stuff, which I think is interesting. But let's get into the Dort stuff. There's a little bit before here where he says Portland does not appear to be a legitimate landing spot for restricted free agent DeAndre Ayton. Sources said and that's that's where he just stops there. Um, we'll, we'll circle back to DeAndre here in a little bit. The Trailblazers are expected to retain starting center Yusuf Nurkic. They are prioritizing Toronto Raptors swingman OG Ananobi in any return for the number seven pick in next week's draft, sources said. Again, we have not deviated from this line at all. OG, 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 OG. That has been what the Blazers have been targeting for months. Um, Next part of this, though. But there's been increasing talk about Portland potentially targeting the seventh selection to Oklahoma City for number 12 and a package that could include Lou Dort. Now... You know what? First of all, what what is your first reaction to this before I, before we dive deep into it? Uh, I, I kind of wonder, I think, on the DeAndre side of things, they may be hesitant to give him $30 million a year. But I also kind of wonder from DeAndre's standpoint, if he, if he views the situation, because I, I think part of the problem, it's not the whole problem, I think part of the problem is that right now DeAndre is a number three. Some games he's like a number four because you can have bridges go off, right? But you got Booker, you got Paul. I think when you look at Portland, I, I think you're kind of looking at the same situation just in a different city. You're looking at Ant, you're looking at Dame, and they're going to be like, hey, we need you to be the screen roll guy. We're going to put you at the elbow. And I think he just looks at that potentially. I'm just kind of spitballing here and may say, oh, okay, so I'm going to take a lesser version of Phoenix and go do that. Whereas, like, the teams listed in the rumor mill for him, Atlanta, Detroit, Toronto, 
man, those are all spots that he could absolutely be the number two, mm-hmm. depending on how the teams are playing. So I just think those are slightly maybe more beneficial situations for him. And the league is wings now. Uh, Portland chased wings for years. They signed a couple wings that, you know, while we're okay, they, they never could take them quite over the top. And so to see Joe maybe prioritizing OG and saying, hey, let's get a 6'7 dude in here with a 6'9 wingspan, I'm not mad at it because you're already going to run small at your top uh, at, at the top of the paint with Dame and Ant. You might as well get a 6'7 dude at your three who's a little more athletic and can guard multiple positions. So I'm not mad at it, and it kind of makes sense, I think, when you look at it from DeAndre Ayton's standpoint. Um, on the Ayton stuff, I, I've, I've heard that that stuff's not entirely dead. But we may be talking about a different DeAndre here in a little bit. Um, as it pertains to Dort, are 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 you uh, are you you sporting for Dort or what? I like Lou Dort, but he's a bench guy. So like, what are as my phone randomly goes off from a spam call uh, from Scam Lightly, Ketchum, Idaho. Oh, literally Ketchum, Idaho. Okay. Um, I like Lou Dort. I mean, he plays good defense, but he's 6'3". Like, what are we talking about here? This is a bench roll guy. And while I, I think he's a valuable piece to have if your team's really good, I that package better be a little better than Lou Dort. And if Lou Dort's the headliner with the number 12 pick, eh. I, I find it very hard to believe that Lou Dort is enough to move up five spots. Like I would he's, hope not. He's, he's a perfectly fine player. I, sure. I don't have anything against Lou Dort, but... It's not something I lean into nor lean for. I just, I would err on the side of using the draft pick versus that package. Now, if you're talking Lou Dort 12 and something else, like another first round pick, because it's OKC and they have a truckload of them and it's a decent first round pick, then maybe you're hedging and you're leaning towards something else. And we can talk about that, but... That, the whole idea, I've seen a bunch of people say, like, what, if, what if they got Dort and they flipped 12 and something else for Jeremy Grant or OG? Why would either of those teams take that package when seven is available? Not, not particularly Detroit. I shouldn't say uh, 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 Jeremy Grant. I should say John Collins. Why, why would either team accept that? Why would they be like, no, I, I don't want 12 and Keon Johnson. I want seven. And that's kind of like the thing. I was like, I don't see a world where it makes sense for them to go get a fourth guard because, again, don't get it twisted. Josh Hart is a guard. He can sometimes play three in a very specific circumstance. I know he quasi-played four in New Orleans, and he plays bigger. Da, da, da. I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're getting away from being undersized. Yeah. So you've got 96 minutes between Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons, Josh Hart, and Lou Dort. That doesn't work. Especially no. when 66 to 70 of those minutes are going to be taken by Anthony Simons and Damian Lillard. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. So, no, I mean, I, I, I don't, again, don't mind Lou Dort. That doesn't do anything for me, nor do I think this team improves at all with that. Um, and I, I think your point on, I mean, unless there's intel that's telling Joe that, hey, that, that does suffice, I don't really quite understand why you'd bounce out of seven to go to 12, even if you throw a future first-round draft pick in there, which you know Oklahoma City has like 15 of them. Eh, I, I, I don't know if that's going to quite do it to go get an OG on an OB, unless Joe is being told that from Toronto side of things. Um, as far as like deals getting done, this is kind of the, the, where I was going to kind of push all this is like the most likely outcome for where things sit right now is who knows? Like they, there's, there's vehement uh, resistance from the Toronto fan base talking about anything that has to do with OG Ananobi yet. There's multiple people that have talked about OG Ananobi. Zach Lowe has brought it up. Jake Fisher has brought it up. Uh, Mark Stein has brought it up. Jake Fisher's catching most of the hell right now, <laughs> but that's, that's how this goes. Um, but T.J. Putnam says Blazers don't have a deal for Collins or Grant. If they did, they would have made it. No, they won't. They they would not have made a deal by now. I I am willing to wager that they're going to make a deal that it's not going to happen until they're on the clock, because of who may or may not be available. And a lot of this has to do with the fact that one of the other things that came on uh, Adrian Wojnarowski in the pregame, the note that he had was that multiple teams. And you and I have talked about this now for about three weeks. Yep. The number of teams looking to move up to number four for Jaden Ivey. We talked about this. Ivey was going to be the guy that changed some stuff up. I had heard stuff about Ivey maybe even going two, and people called me insane. <laughs> there's, there is a Because there's so few shot creators in this draft, Ivey is it. There's a significant drop-off after Jaden Ivey. So teams are vying for that, which makes that values proposition pop up. The other part of this is... What happens, and you and I talked about that this morning, if Chet Holmgren goes number one, and what does that do to draft yeah. stock? If all of a sudden Jabari's at number two and a team, again, like OKC, wants to move out. All of these different things they are that could happen changes who might or might not be available at seven. 
if all of a sudden somebody you didn't think was going to be there is now there, what is the value of that? And that's where a good GM like Masai Ujiri is not going to fire off a, a deal for OG Ananobi, not knowing who is going to be there. Honestly, I think the same thing for the Atlanta, I almost said the Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta Hawks, <laughs> in that if they're trading John Collins, who by any measure is a good player who is paid properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out, I think it was, uh, uh, I think it's Brad Rowland that was uh, on with Richmond uh, today talking about the Hawks. I've gone into detail about John Collins, but I don't cover the Hawks. He went into into further detail about John Collins' value, uh, his defensive growth, how he plays offensively. So if you guys want, go check that out with uh, Richmond uh, on Locked On. And but I bring this up is because th- they have to know who is available if those if those GMs are targeting a, a specific player. And it's there's just way too much volatility in the draft right now to make that move. Yeah. I think the shakeup at one is it's a it's a fascinating look because it could be as simple as just saying Jabari and Chet are going to exchange or they're going to be interchangeable at one or two. Whether Orlando goes Chet, Jabari's going to. Whether Jabari goes one, Chet's going to. Maybe it's that simple. But I, the idea that Oklahoma City really likes Chet, that's the report, is that OKC loves Chet. And I saw, I think Rosillo had a thing where he basically said he's hearing from the agent and that and Chet himself that like they want to go to Oklahoma City mm-hmm. because that, that's that's like the perfect connection. They know that's going to incubator for him. There's no pressure. There's no pressure. Mark, it's a team that takes care of their own. Presti loves him. Like he's going to give be afforded every opportunity to. He succeed. liked being in Spokane. Like Oklahoma City's the same size as Spokane. I've it's, been there. It's it flat Spokane. That's what it is. It's it's awful. Um, but if he goes one to Orlando, I think that's kind of the wrench that you that you throw into this whole thing. Is it yeah. not? Because if Chet goes one, Oklahoma City's not sold on Jabari. Maybe they don't love Paolo. They sell off. Maybe they sell out. Or maybe, because there's been some rumors, that they would be open to trading SGA. And in that case, what would you follow that up with? I would, I would imagine it's, it's trapping a Jay Nivey. It's an explosive, shot-creating athlete who's 6'4", and he's kind of a tweener. I wouldn't be the most stunned if that happened. And in that case, then you have Jabari followed. Paolo dro- dropping like and Sacramento supposedly doesn't want to necessarily keep their number four pick I just think there's a lot of things that could take place here and maybe Portland will be involved in it because I'll tell you if, if there's a shot they can move to four and they know that Chet's going one and that changes the draft order and you get a Paolo that falls to four I mean I know he's an unproven commodity versus the known but th- there's a part of me Danny that I think I lean I'd rather them just take him and see if he can become something in two years. And if he can, well, then holy crap, you got a 6'10 playmaker on your team with two smaller guards. Like, that might be the way to go. It's going to be, and this is why, we, we, again, we, we've hit on this so much, the how quickly things can change on a dime. There's not a consensus draft. No, there's not. It's crazy. This and one's the, nuts. And the fact that you have teams like OKC and San Antonio who were very much off the consensus – and you have a team like Sacramento at number four who is dangling a top four pick, which you don't see very often for win-now help? I mean, Danny, Woj was on my television pregame openly saying Sacramento's trading that fourth pick. And I'm they're, just like... Yeah, they're shopping it hard and have been since yeah. the jump. You and, I, you and I said when the lottery hit, I think it was that night we were talking about, there's a likely possibility that 
they may lean into this. And I think a week later, we uh, we had James Ham on, and they were talking. He was talking about the idea of moving out from that pick. Yeah. So. Which scares me, by the way, because if you're Toronto, you could deal OG to Portland for seven, or you could deal him to Sacramento for four. You know, if you're Sacramento, like Sacramento's a mess. But if you get OG into the fold, you've got Sabonis. I don't know what Fox will be necessarily, but, you know, that's an interesting situation. And getting a 6'7 skilled wing like OG, man, that, that, that can go quite a ways for teams when they're rebuilding. Yeah, I don't know if there's, there's a level of player that makes it to where it un, unbleeps Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't disagree with that, but I'm just saying, like, Toronto would be more – but for, no, in the number four, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, sorry, OG, I got to send you to, to basketball purgatory. Uh, <laughs> if you have problems with it, talk to Demar. See how he handled it. You know. <laughs> um, but I just look at the situation right now and go, I would love to say this is definitively what they will do. That is not the case. We are a week out, and it is still anyone's ballgame. There Very is, volatile. There is so much volatility before yeah. Portland picks that you can't you can't nail it down. And I I think we've done a pretty good job of over the last couple of weeks of preparing for this. The idea of like, listen, guys, here's the frameworks of of deals that could be discussed. Here's framework of what's out there right now. Here's what they are attempting to do. Mm-hmm. They are attempting to to land OG Ananobi. That's been clear and present since day one and we haven't deviated from that because i haven't heard anything different deandre ayton situation is still as far as i know is still fluid uh john collins that stuff has been there for a couple weeks the jeremy grant stuff has been there for a couple months like months this is nothing new the the lou dort stuff i've been told was that's something the blazers looked at weeks if not months ago and had moved past Mm -hmm. now i would imagine that if jake's talking about this there could definitely be an uh a situation where okc could be floating that for value for value propositions that's not out of this world to try and figure that out particularly after you saw what christian wood got dealt for the other day yeah the other side of this is what if the blazers are presented multiple options what would they hope to do i think in the end i (laughs) i know this is going to sound weird I think the Blazers are going to try to get a first-round pick on top of whatever else they do. I think they're going to try to secure a young asset. You have to. I, I think you know that's been apparent to me. Now, if OG's in the fold here, I think that changes things pretty drastically. I think it kind of has to because you're talking about a 24-year-old 6'7 wing, which, is, again, is something this team's been coveting for years. Mm-hmm. But if OG's not necessarily there for them, like, if it comes down to John Collins, you know, I've seen the seven pick for John Collins. It better have 16 with it. Listen, if, I, if you attach seven and 36, their second-round pick for with Bledsoe, the money to make it work, for Collins yeah. and 16, that's... that's. I'm good with it. That's I, I'm, I'm cool with that. If they yeah. get John Collins out of this offseason and they get the 16 pick where they can go draft a... A Tari Eason? Yeah. Yeah. Like that, I, that, I that's, a, that's a great... That's, that's we we, we talked about season. this. We, we talked about this, like, the idea of a single-double home run. That's a home run offseason, right? I'd say it's a strong, it's a strong triple. You, you're, I mean, you stand up triple. We'll call it a stand up triple. But, but that's, but yeah. But that's again, a triple versus a home run is not a bad thing, folks. No. Like that's a good off season. Like I'm happy about that off season. Where are they at in contention? Well, not close, but like the West again is going to be open. So 
it's a great start going into their following trade deadline, into the following offseason, assuming Dame is committed. It puts you in a, a, a significantly better spot than where they were when they had to sell off parts for nothing. Which, I mean, it would be very funny if the remnants of these trades, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, C.J. McCollum, turned into Larry Nance, or not Larry Nance, turned into John Collins and a quasi-lottery pick. Yeah. So you got off the money, you balanced your books, you got better. I, I still think there's a strong opportunity or a strong ability to do something different mm-hmm. and on top of that, I should say, to get a John Collins, to get a draft pick, and also with lesser pieces, find another player somewhere in the NBA to bring into the fold that could be a quasi-starter before you even get to free agency. If it boiled down, Danny, to Chet going one and the draft shaking up drastically. Give me, me the chaos. Well, yeah, no, give me, give me, absolutely give me the chaos. It's going to be fun on the watch party to talk about that stuff. But if I told you it boiled down to that and the alternative is basically John Collins in 16 or move to four and get Palo, just as an example here, where, what would you do? Would you take the two or would you want to roll the dice and say, let's jump to four and get the 6'10 dude who might end up being a dude? If you really, and again, this is where I, I think it's beneficial for them to have Mike Schmitz and to have Joe Cronin and guys who look at particular profiles and are looking at things going, this is what I see from this player. This is the big swing. This is where I think we're going to go. The, the other part of this is, as good as Paolo is, and let's say he's really good, how fast can he be that good? Because I, I think that matters because they're still operating under the Damian Lillard timeline. Is that if the prize from this offseason is Paolo mm-hmm. or Jabari, whatever one would, would happen to be there, who ends up – Does is that enough to – "Quote unquote," satisfy Damian Lillard. Not that he's angry or frustrated, but he's very clearly very much involved. Sure, is absolutely. that is that enough to get them and get him to a point that makes sense for him right now and long term? I think the beauty of the situation is that Dame has been at the PF every single time they've had workouts. He's there getting up shots every single day, and I'd imagine those conversations with Joe are happening multiple times a day, not, you know, one a day, hey, I'm here, what's going on? I bet you there's texts, I bet you there's phone call updates. I, it just, it feels like to me, this organization, when they hit this reset button, they really leaned in and said, this has to be a collaborative effort, right? This has to, this has to come from me and it has to go all the way to you, Dave. Me, Chauncey, you, what we're thinking, how we're feeling. If they're selecting a Palo, a Jabari, I can't imagine there's a scenario in play there where Dame understands that it might take two years for that player to hit and he's okay with it. Otherwise, what are we doing here? If, if Damian Lillard isn't sure, then it'd be really odd, in my opinion, if Joe ended up making a pick like that. Like, I think it'd just be out of the norm. Whereas, like, in years past, Dame yep. stayed out of this stuff and Neil did what Neil did, and it led him to where they eventually are right now. So... If they're drafting Paolo or Jabari, Danny, I, th- I think it's 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 on the idea that Dame is well aware that they could be a good player next year, but it's going to take them that second season to maybe make the leap to be that like real 
serious impact type player that you're always searching for. Uh, I'm I'm with you on that. I, I don't I don't disagree. It's just, I think it's something to consider what that timeline actually looks like and how how much wiggle room there is between being ready going into next season and then not. I think is the easy way to put that. Um, for everybody who's just coming in, we appreciate you. Thank you. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Help us grow the show. If you're new here, uh, click the thumbs up. Give us a little bit of love if you like us, and I don't know, thumbs down if you don't. It's, it's no, don't, do the thumb, don't do the thumbs down. I mean, do the thumbs up or don't do the fucking thumb at all. What are we doing here? Listen, I like to give options, man. Hey, uh, uh, do the grading system. Give us an A or give us an F. No, it's an A or get out of here. You know what I mean? <laughs> what are we doing? I'm just, like I said, I'm just giving options, man. Um, speaking of options... The Trailblazers stated uh, that they were going to not hold any more workouts this week, and they, then they held a workout this week. Uh, shout out Andrew Slater, the director of scouting for Pro Insight, uh, local here in Portland, a scouting service that works with NBA teams. Um, Josh Minot, who is a guy who I think is kind of a fringe first-round, second-round type pick, uh, was confirmed to have worked out today uh, at the practice facility. Ticks a lot of boxes. He was uh, Memphis's. Uh, uh, all uh, sorry, the AAC all freshman team, uh, along mm-hmm. with Jalen Duran, who was that believe the, the AAC freshman of the year. Uh, Minot is a guy that profiles very much for what I think Joe Cronin wants to do: six eight, athletic, multi positional, yeah. like still raw. But if you're looking at like swings, like if you're looking at this is how a player could get from X to Y, like you're like, oh, I see that. It makes a ton of sense. It, it ticks all of the boxes. It's very, very simple to how, see how that goes. The other one, uh, I want to flip this over here real quick, is a little, uh, little note here from uh, Colin105 on Instagram. If, you're, if you notice that, he's got a tag there. It says, at the Trailblazers Fax Facility. And if you recognize that carpet, if you've been in that building, yes, that is the Trailblazers Fax Facility. And Colin105, well, ladies and gentlemen, that's Colin Gillespie. Uh, of formerly of Villanova. He was also at that workout today. Still trying to track down a few other guys that may or may not have been in the building. Mm. Um, but I'll tell you this right now. Josh Minot and Colin Gillespie are two dogs. Dogs. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely love them. And what what did Joe talk? What has he talked about? I want dogs athletic, yes, and I, I want, want size. Dogs. Yeah. So give me some multi-positional dogs that are coming in kind of as raw clay and let us mold the living hell out of them to fit what we need. Uh, for those that are wondering, Colin Gillespie is a six foot three guard, but Villanova. Josh Hart, Villanova. So remember, they want a, they want a lot of Josh Hart's on this team. Well, I mean, uh, Jay Wright, I mean, uh, he has since retired from at least college basketball. My favorite, my favorite college basketball coach of all time, hands down. He is, he's one of the goats, and the thing about him is he never recruited high-level five-star dudes. He three-star guys. Three-star dudes, Kyle Lowry's of the world, Josh Hart, as you mentioned, and they end up becoming pretty damn good basketball players throughout their career in college, and then a, a few of them in the NBA. If there are two schools in, in the college basketball that I trust to develop raw clay-type players, it is Villanova and it is mm-hmm. Marquette. If you were like a three-year guy at either of those schools – and there's an opportunity to pick you. Shout out Mikael Bridges. <laughs> yeah. Again, yeah, it turned out rather well, didn't it? If you were a wing playing for either of those schools and you were on the board and you're in that range, I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to take you. 
Who passed up Bridges? Oh, Philly. Philly traded him, right? Didn't they? He played in their him? backyard. He's from Philly. He's a 76ers fan. I think his his mom was there, thrilled about it, and they. She worked, I think, for the organization. Yes, that's she? what it was. She? Yeah, yeah. And, they, they, and they, they traded him to Phoenix. They traded him to Phoenix. How's that got to feel right now? Yikes. Have fun with the James Harden contract. Yeesh. Um. But somebody is in here just asking, he may be a dog, but why continue to get guards instead of what we actually need? We're talking about second round picks, guys. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. This is, this, this ba- is not, backup point guard stuff. Like, yeah, like, again, if you're looking, if if there's an opportunity to get better with a second-round pick, is the Blazers, as of right now, do have two second-round picks. They could potentially buy one if they wanted to. I don't, I haven't checked this, and I, I, I should. They haven't used any of their league allowance money. Mm-hmm. For two, I think it's like 4 point something, 4, 4.18 million, I think, this year. That you're allowed to usually like, like including cash considerations in a deal or to buy a lottery pick just flat out. Uh, that hasn't or not buy a lottery pick. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Buy a second round pick. Uh, if you could buy lottery picks, ladies and gentlemen, Paul Allen would have bought him some picks. Um, there's there's good opportunity if you can if this scouting department, including Mike Schmitz. Mm-hmm. Has guys that they believe in to hit these home runs, or even let's let's say that a guy like Gillespie turns into Pat Connaughton. That's a win, folks. Right, like a rotation level player from the NBA Finals in the second round. Yep. Not everybody is going to be a uh, starter in the NBA. Not everybody's a mega gonna, star yeah. who's going to give you sixteen to eighteen <laughs> points a game. Like, and you're not you're not trash if you're not that guy. Well, I mean, I, I look no further than what I have on my TV here, and I'm watching Golden State run away with the NBA Finals Championship. Uh, do you know what helped turn the tide in this series, aside from Steph Curry being unworld, unworldly? Uh, Jordan Poole hitting a shot. <laughs> Jordan Poole hitting a shot. Uh, Gary Payton II coming back from an injury. Draymond, uh, who's a second-round pick, being yes. being viable. Um, it's, it's just... It, None of that. It's due diligence, and not just due diligence of like, let's get these guys in. Once players get to the league or they've been scouted, not even at the professional level, just in general, there's binders, there's folders or computer files stored on guys, so that when they hit free agency or they're talked about in a potential trade, you have intel on them. So mm-hmm. as they're coming into the league, if you've got the ability to get your eyes on somebody that you think maybe down the line, like ah, you know, that's a guy. That, uh, we'll use Neil Olshay. Every single player he ever brought in, he tried to somehow bring back to Portland because he had eyes on them. And whether you like it or not, he had a familiarity with those players. And those were players that he liked because he saw them. He talked to them. He worked with them. They worked them out. Like, they had those conversations. And I think this is exactly this kind of opportunity where Joe Cronin and his staff are, are doing this in a way that makes sense for them to, to build this out, even if they don't draft them. So where where are we leaning right now? Are we leaning that we think they're going to end up landing OG, or do you think ultimately this is not going to this is going to go Brandon Sprague's way of we don't get nice things, but maybe they can move up a little bit in the draft, or maybe they stay seven, acquire Jeremy Grant via the Milwaukee pick, and swing for the fences on a wing of some sort that they hope can turn into something. I I still don't think that they're going to use the draft pick. But I also don't think we're going to know who is whether or not Toronto is going to make a move. Again, I don't think that that opportunity is going to pop up until the very end. I think that that clock, when the official clock happens on pick seven or after pick six is submitted, and we know who is on the board, 
I think that is when we're going to finally know who's available. Like mm-hmm. who, I mean, I don't say who's available. I mean, who's available to make a deal. And that's when Portland has their, their highest leverage. But it's also their scariest moment. Are they willing to wait it out for the right deal? Right. And how, how painful will that be? And are they able to put the clamps in and secure the deal? Let's use all the euphemisms here. Are they able to get it over the goal line? It's, it's a little stressful, to be honest with you. It is. This is... And I, I don't want to mince words here because I want to make sure that we're, 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 we've been very much on and consistent in how we're viewing things. When these deals were all made in February, you and I said, and listen, guys, we need to evaluate this stuff in August. But we also said, if they fail, it will be bad. It will be really bad. <laughs> hey, there's light at the end of this dark-ass tunnel. I, oh, no, there's not. The tunnel just collapsed. We're again, stuck in a tunnel. And Because I, I don't want it to seem like we're all sunshine. Well, define, okay, but define that for me. Because like, when you say that, what does that mean when you say that? Do you think picking seven and getting Grant, and that's your offseason with a couple you know, I think if they, I think if they pick seven, they don't go for Grant. I don't think they commit that money. I think that they pick seven and they may take somebody maybe a little bit lesser into the TPE later on. Um, so it's going to be Dame, Ant, Nurkic, and man, we some just young Brandon. pieces. What? You there, buddy? Hello? Did I just lose you? Hello, 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 hello? Well, you're showing up. Huh. Headphones went out. Well, well, apparently it's me and my headphones just went out. So good times. Oh, okay. Can you hear me? So, Brandon, go ahead and carry us while I grab my other headphones. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't think you can hear me. Um, I mean, it, it's the reality of the situation is that that ultimately could happen. And I think that's what I've been trying to hit at is, do I want OG? Hell yeah. Do I want John Collins? Absolutely. As long as it comes back with number 16. But I think ultimately, you have to prepare yourself. So, uh, I guess we're just going to wrap it up here because uh, I'm having all the issues in the world. Uh, For Brandon, I'm Danny. Uh, We'll wrap it up here. Uh, I think Brandon's going to write a note here for me real quick to put up here. Uh, While while he's doing that, I will say this. Uh, Like, rate, review, subscribe, (laughs) help us grow the show so that I can keep this thing from breaking down forever. And uh, while I'm, I'm stalling, waiting for Brandon to write something, did you write it backwards? Sunday, yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Can you go? We'll talk about it. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out the time on Sunday. I think I'm trying to read his lips right now through, through zoom. Cause it's completely failing for me now, which is just tremendous stuff. Um, uh, again, uh, again, thank you so very much. Sorry for the technical issues. I'll wrap this up and hopefully I can figure out what exactly broke, uh, and rebuild this whole thing from scratch. And, uh, we will catch you guys on Sunday. Uh, Take care. Enjoy. Have a wonderful night.